So as many of you know, we are in the middle of a sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. And today, I want to begin with a story that involves a really special car, a 1992 Ford Taurus. And uh, one of the first times that I ever drove through Chicago. Now, we have a picture of this car here that we're going to put on the screen today. And I'm sure as you look at this car, you're probably wondering... What, what's really so special about a plain car like that from 30 years ago? Well, the reason why this car is so special is because it's the first car that I ever owned. My, my parents let me drive their car around for a couple of years when I was in high school. But when I was getting ready to go into my freshman year of college, my dad helped me get this car. It, it was my baby. Driving it around made me feel like I was a real adult. And I'm sure that some of you remember what that was like having your own first car. Well, I drove this car everywhere. I drove it all over the Midwest during my college years. I drove it to in Ohio and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Indiana, Kentucky, Wisconsin. But one of the most memorable experiences was something that happened to me with this car on the Dan Ryan in Chicago many years ago. It was a sunny summer weekend, and after I got off of work that Friday afternoon, I was still living with my parents in Ohio at the time, but I hopped in my car, and I had plans of going to Wisconsin for one of my friend's weddings. Again, it was one of the first times that I had ever driven through Chicago. I had heard stories about how horrible the traffic was, but I had never really experienced that before this trip. And I had to go through Chicago because I was picking up another friend of mine along the way and we were going to this wedding together. And so I'm just moving along pretty good at a pretty good pace, going through Ohio, going through Indiana. And then I get to 8090 just on the other side of the Illinois border and everything slows down. Now, at first, I'm thinking to myself, you know what, this is probably going to last for like 5, 10 minutes, and then everything's going to start picking up again. Because in my mind, I had planned that it would take something like an hour to drive all the way from one end of Chicago to the other end of Chicago, but boy, had I miscalculated. I had no idea what I was getting into. And in those days, there was nothing like a GPS or a, a Google Maps or something like that to kind of warn me otherwise. And so I'm just trying to maneuver my way around. I am changing lanes. I am uh, hoping that I can somehow find the fast lane. I speed up to get past one person, and then I have to stop, and I sit there while everybody is passing me on the lane beside me. And this goes on for like two hours until I get to downtown. Now, I pick up my friend and we drive another two hours in that same kind of traffic. And now we're somewhere uh, way up in the northern suburbs. And uh, I've never seen so many cars in my life. And I am just so frustrated at all these people who are out on the road keeping me from where I need to get to go. Again, we're just stopping and starting and stopping and starting and stopping and starting and at some point along the way, I press on the gas in my car and my car doesn't move. And I press on it harder and the engine revs up really, really loud and we're going nowhere. 
And so I'm so frustrated that I just yell out this scream like, ah! And then this thick black smoke starts coming out from under the hood of the car and I can't see anything in front of me. You talk about a bad day, a memorable experience. It was all of that and then some. But all of these selfish people in Chicago had ruined my life because they thought that they needed to be on the road the same time that I was on the road. The nerve of some people. And and they wouldn't get out of my way and let me go where I needed to go. Well, I, I ended up having to tow the car back to Ohio. I missed the wedding I had this uh, a whole bunch of money that I had to shell out in order to fix my car so that it could run again because I had burned up the transmission. But in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, we are given this list of the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to see what it says here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, just notice here that this is not called the fruit of Jason. It is called the fruit of the Spirit, and it has this idea of that, that God fills you up with himself, and these are some of the characteristics that will rise to the surface. Love, joy, peace, patience. And that's what we get to talk about this morning, patience. So, if you are hoping to hear from somebody today who has mastered patience, who never struggles with it, then, my friends, you have come to the wrong place and you are going to be desperately disappointed. But, if you are willing to wrestle with and talk about patience with somebody who is probably going to struggle with this for the rest of their lives, but hopefully has shown some progress over the years, then, my friend, you are in the right place. I mean, just so that we are clear about this here this morning, I have never been mistaken as somebody who has a lot of patience. In fact, just the other day, I was talking to a friend of mine, and they asked me, so what are you preaching on? And I said to him, well, we're in the middle of this sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit, and this week, I get to talk about patience. And he started laughing out loud in that moment. (laughs) So what is it? When it says the fruit of the Spirit is is patience, what does that mean? What are we talking about when we talk about patience? Now, this may be a little bit more confusing than you might at first think. But different translations of the Bible have translated this very differently. When I was learning about the, first, the fruit of the Spirit, when I was a young boy, when I was in grammar school, the version of the Bible that we used as a family back then was the King James Version. The, the these and the thous and all of that. And, and I, I've, I, I learned a lot about God and about His Word by reading the King James Version of the Bible. But then... When uh, it was somewhere around junior high age, uh, the NIV came out, and it was much more readable. And so, as a family, we started reading that. And then, in more recent years, it has been the ESV, the English Standard Version, that we have used around the church here. And, And so, I don't often do this, but 
I, I, you, you see all of these differences in, in these translations and these versions, and I want you to see these for yourself here. Because I think that this can be helpful for us to understand the idea of what patience is all about. And so we're going to put this up on the screen here, these different versions, all at the same time so that you can see this. But the King James Version uh, from many, many years ago, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And then the NIV, the New International Version that many of you are familiar with, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. And then the English Standard Version that we typically teach from and preach from around here, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. So uh, apparently, there was no problem in translating love, joy, and peace. But when the translators got to this thing called long-suffering or forbearance or patience, they were struggling with how to actually translate it, how to communicate what it means. And, and so I'm using this word patience today. It's in the ESV. It's what we normally preach from, but it's also a, the more common of all of these words that are used there. I mean, we're more likely to talk about somebody being patient than to talk about them being long-suffering or having forbearance as a character quality. But long-suffering, that's actually probably the closest thing to the original meaning of this. In fact, the original word here means Long in getting angry. Long in getting angry. They didn't have dynamite back in the Apostle Paul's day when he was writing this, but we have a, a picture of some explosives that we're going to put on the screen here this morning. And I want you to just imagine this person who has a very explosive personality, this person who is very quick-tempered. And when you think about this person, you might describe them by saying they have a very short fuse. It's kind of like you light a match and everything just explodes. That, that, there's not enough time to get away and clear the living room. But the idea behind long-suffering or forbearance or patience is that a person doesn't have a short fuse, but they have a very long fuse. They don't just explode over small little irritations. They don't just emotionally unravel when the traffic is bumper to bumper and they can't get around the other cars quickly. That is long-suffering, slow to anger. And so I think that, that what we're going to be talking about here this morning could be really helpful if you are able to actually identify a person in your life whom you are having trouble being patient with right now. That instead of just uh, talking about patience, uh, about long-suffering, uh, that, that a person comes to your mind and you say, oh, you're talking about her, or you're talking about him. It may be a child or a parent, a spouse, a mother-in-law, per the person that you drove to church with this morning. Maybe it's a person at work or somebody who is a neighbor of yours or a classmate that is just driving you absolutely crazy. Now, I want you to have that person in your mind or maybe those people in your mind as we talk about this idea of patience and reflecting Christ as we walk in the Spirit. Maybe it's somebody here at church. 
Maybe it's somebody in a Bible study or a small group or somebody that you serve with who just seems to have this ability to be able to annoy you even when they're not trying to. So I want you to think about this really practically as we talk about what it means to be a person of patience here this morning. Now, I came up with a list of a few ways to describe patience, and I want you to just hear these. I want to share them with you today. To be patient is suffering through a difficult situation or a difficult person and in the process maintaining a good attitude. It is the the capability, the capacity to deal with an annoying person without writing them off. It's being very, very slow to say, you know what, we're done. To be patient is to endure a challenging situation without blowing up and getting nasty. And friends, if you can do that, That is evidence that you are maturing as a follower of Jesus Christ. That you can go through something nasty without becoming nasty yourself. That you can go through a trial without becoming a trial. Friends, patience is being at your best when the person, people, or situation around you might not be at its best or at their best. And we're not simply talking about trying to become more patient in our own strength. This is a fruit of the Spirit. And so we're talking about allowing God to mold and shape and transform us into the people that He desires us to be. That it's not just in our own strength that we're doing this, but that this is God working in and through us. And we get to participate in this process of growing in patience. Now, some of you might be listening to this and saying, you know what, I don't want to grow impatient. I want the people around me to change. Why don't they change? And then I won't have to. I mean, I shouldn't be the one who grows. They should be the one who grows. In fact, if I don't get upset and I don't yell at them sometimes, they're never going to change. Why should I change? They should be the ones who change. I don't want patience. I just want the traffic to move faster. So what I want to do in our time today is I want to take some time to talk about three reasons why we should cultivate patience in our personal lives. Three reasons to open yourself up to a new and fresh way of allowing God to grow you in this. Three reasons why you say, I need this, and I need this badly. Reason number one, because this is what God's like. Friends, God is patient. This is what God's like. If you have a Bible with you this morning, or you can open that Bible app, grab a Bible in the pew rack in front of you, but I want to invite you uh, for a moment to join me in Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. Now, While you're turning there in your Bibles, we're going to put a picture up on the screen here. And it is a picture of a guy who is holding two tablets of stone. Now this is actually a very famous painting by a Dutch artist, Rembrandt, in the 1600s. But this is a picture of Moses in the Ten Commandments. Now, Moses. Moses was a shepherd. And he had a shepherd's staff. 
and he appears before Pharaoh and he says, well, the Lord God of Israel says, let my people go, right? And Pharaoh looks back at him and he says, not a chance. I am not going to let them go anywhere. And so there's this series of 10 nasty plagues that God brings on Egypt. And after Pharaoh, after that, Pharaoh says, guess what? I'm going to let you go. You can go now. Get out of here. I don't ever want to see you again. And so the people of Israel exit. There's this big exodus out of Egypt. And they leave and they go out into the desert. And part of the desert experience is that God begins to reveal his covenant to his people. Now, this covenant is kind of like a marriage ceremony. Where God says, you know what? I will be your God. Will you be my people? And the people respond back by saying, sounds great. We'll be your people. And so God says, well, then there are some things that you need to know. There are some things that we need to talk about here. First, you have to have no other gods before me. It's kind of like a groom looking at his bride and saying, listen, no other men. Or the, the, the groom or the bride looking back at the groom and saying, yeah, no other women either. And, and, and this is, if this is about us, then it's exclusive. And so that's the first of the Ten Commandments. The second commandment is God saying, you know what? I don't carve any other statues out of wood or stone and bow down to them. Don't, don't carve something like a cow and call that me. I mean, that is totally insulting. I'm bigger than that. I'm broader than that. I don't want you worshiping statues. There are also commandments about how to relate to other people like don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, don't murder. Uh, be faithful to your wedding vows and don't commit adultery. And so this covenant had to do with how to relate to God and how to relate to other people. And so Moses is up there on Mount Sinai. He's up there and God is giving him the commandments that he is to re relay to the people. And while Moses is up there on the mountain, he says, Lord, I want to see you. Lord, I want to see you in all of your glory. And God says, well, you can't do that. I mean, you can't see my face and live. If you see all of my glory, you will completely have a meltdown and you won't survive. But he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down the mountain. I want you to chisel out two stone tablets. I want you to bring them back up here. And I'll put the Ten Commandments on them. And when you come back up here, I'm going to put you in kind of like this hole in the rock. I'm going to put you in a cleft in the rock. And I'm going to pass by you. And I am going to give you a little glimpse of myself. Basically, God would pass by Moses. And Moses would be able to see his back. And God says, you know what, I'm going to tell you my name so that you can get a better picture of who I am, a better picture of my character and the glorious God that I am. And so the next day, Moses climbs the mountain and he's carrying the two tablets of stone and he enters into this little cleft in the rock and, and God passes by and he whispers his name. And I want you to see what it says there in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Your Bible's open in front of you, and it says this. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and uh, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. 
Friends, that phrase there, slow to anger, means patience. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You say, why should I be patient? Why should I open up my heart and let patience be grown in me? Well, God says, because that's what I'm like. And when you grow in patience, you are imitating an essential part of my character, my goodness. You see, the fruit of the Spirit are not just random things like love, joy, peace, patience. No, they are the kinds of things that reflect a part of the character of God. When there is less of Jason and there is more of the filling of God, that I begin to be more like him in his character. The fruit of the Spirit is love because God is love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy because God is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is patience or peace because God is peace. And the fruit of the Spirit is patience because God is patient. And so the first reason why we should pursue after patience is because that is what God's like. And some of my darkness gets pushed out and some of his light gets invited in when I have a short fuse or when I have a slow fuse, when I have a long fuse with people around me. That's reason number one for why we should seek to be a people of patience. But I want to give you a second reason here this morning and it's this. Because patience is a defining characteristic of the early followers of Jesus. Because patience is a defining characteristic of the early followers of Jesus. Now, Galatians chapter 5 is where the fruit of the Spirit is found. And when Galatians was written, you just have to understand that this was the early church. The church was just getting started. This was the first generation of Jesus' followers. That It wasn't like, well, my grandparents were Christians, and then my parents were, and then finally I became a Christian. No, this is all really new. And while patience is something that should be applied to our family life or our work situations or uh, our school situations, most of the context surrounding patience in the New Testament actually relates to the church community. And it has to do with how to relate to annoying people that you worship with and that you serve with and that you grow with. And so... It keeps coming up, not only in the context of dealing with our kids and our parents and uh, the the people that we work with and the people that live beside us, but it also uh, has a lot to do with the relationships that we have with those that we serve alongside with in the church. And so travel with me for a moment to a town called Colossae. We have a, a map of this that we're going to put up on the screen this morning. It's a little bit inland from the Mediterranean Sea. It is uh, northwest of, of Jerusalem. It is southeast of Rome. But the early church there in Colossae, they received a special letter from the Apostle Paul with this special instructions that were given in it. Here's what it says, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
Friends, this was written to Christians talking about how to interact and treat other Christians. And I think that part of the reason why this was written like this is because some people are having problems with how to relate to each other in the church. Listen, this is not just an American problem. This is not just a problem that some churches deal with. No, right out of the gate, Paul is addressing this with the very first Christians. And I love the imagery of clothing yourself here. It's kind of like, you know what? There are some old rags of the old you that you shouldn't be wearing anymore. And now you need to put on this new outfit with new shoes and new shirt and new pants. And you need to put these things on. And I just love this picture of getting dressed and clothing yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And this was written to the church in Colossae. But travel again with me and uh, travel a little bit to the west of that to a place called Ephesus. We have a map of this as well. And Ephesus was like the fourth largest city in the Roman world. And this church got a letter as well. Here is what Paul writes to them in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Not partially, not somewhat, not slightly. No, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Again, it occurs to me right at the very start of these fellowships with these people coming together from completely different backgrounds, they were facing these challenges of relating to getting along as Christians. And as I read these various letters and this theme of patience comes up again and again and again, it seems to me that this is to be a central foundational characteristic of the early followers of Jesus Christ. You know... Anytime that you get together with a group of people, inevitably there are going to be some things that will be annoying to you about certain people. You know what? They're just too loud. But they're too quiet. And they're always invading my personal space. They never come up and even say hi to me. She laughs too loud. Her laugh is so annoying. It's more like a cackle. I I feel like he's going to break my hand every time he shakes it. You know what? They never clean up after themselves. (laughs) They're always making everything just in, in, they want it to be spotless. They want it to be in just the perfect place. What's wrong with them? I can't believe he likes Ohio State. I can't believe they like Michigan. You see, the fact is that sometimes other people can be really annoying to you. And what's interesting is that they might not even know that they're annoying you. Again, listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. What glue glues us together in Christian community? It's not whether people are mature. It's not whether they're on time. It's not if they keep all the promises that they make. That's not the glue. The glue is that Jesus died for them and Jesus died for you and you were adopted into the same family. 
And being adopted into the same family, you ask God to fill you with love that you don't, when you don't feel like being so loving. And you ask for patience when you find things difficult to be patient. Because Jesus died to create this thing called the church and there is nothing like it in the world. Listen, it's not easy being patient. It's not just annoyances, but people can really hurt each other. And they can uh, lie about each other and to each other. And they can sin against each other. It is normal for her to snip at him. And for him to snip back at her. And for her to freeze him out. And then for him to say, fine, you know what? I've I've got other things to do. And they get angry. And and they don't talk to each other. and, And they feel justified thinking that it was all the other person's fault. That's normal. But normal's not doing too well. It's normal for companies to dissolve into petty politics. It's normal for there to be an argument within an extended family and for relatives to not talk to each other for years. That's normal, but normal's not doing too well. And unfortunately, it can happen in the church as well that people get, uh, begin gossiping and there becomes this fracture and then there is this split but, but I believe that what Jesus has in mind here is that he says, listen, I, I'm going to bring people together from different backgrounds. I, I'm going to give different personalities to people. They're going to have different worldviews. They're going to have different, be at different maturity levels. And in order to accomplish the mission that God has given to us as the church and to reflect God's character in our world, we need to be a people who are growing in patience. We can't be content with doing things the way that people in the world normally do it. No, we are to be completely humble and gentle, to be patient, bearing with one another in love. That's what you're called to. That's what I'm called to. That, That we don't give up too easily, but that we have a long fuse. This is heart work. This is God's work. This this is what it means to walk in the Spirit. So patience reflects the very character of God, and patience is the defining characteristic of the early followers of Jesus. But then number three, we should be patient because God was patient with us. God was first patient with us. Uh, Just a little bit ago, we looked at a verse there in Colossians chapter 3. I want to go back there for a moment here because the very next verse, Colossians 3.13, says this. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And in the context of any ministry, whether it's small group or Bible study or just serving together somewhere, sometimes we can experience hurtful things. But one of the ways that we are called to respond is to forgive because God has forgiven us. And so reason number three why we should show patience is because we've had patience shown to us. That that God didn't just write you off. He didn't just write me off. Jesus' disciples, they come to him one time and they say, hey, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And so Jesus says, okay, I'll teach you how to pray. You should pray like this. And then he gives them what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In this prayer that Jesus gives to his followers as an example to follow, there is this important idea of God. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And then Paul picks up on this and he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Life of patience begins with the humility of being able to say, listen, I've blown it. I've blown it so many times and yet God has not written me off. And just take that shovel for a moment and start digging up some of your past. Did you sometime at some point say something that was really, really funny But you know what? It absolutely destroyed that person that you said it about. Or maybe you took credit for something that somebody else had done. Maybe you lied about something and the impact of that was just devastating towards the person that you lied about, the person that you lied to. Or maybe you went through a period of time as a junior high or a high schooler where you just made your parents completely miserable in their lives. Well, Jesus comes and Jesus dies. He says, listen, I paid the penalty for everything that you've ever done. I, I can forgive all of that. I can wash you. I can clean you. I, I offer my forgiveness to you. And you receive that forgiveness. And you say, thank you. And now you're standing there and you are holding this huge armload of forgiveness. And God says, well, I want you to learn to forgive others in the way that I forgave you. And so a big reason why we learn to be patient with others is because someone was patient with us first. God didn't write you off when you wandered and strayed and tripped up and messed up. And so in the context of a Bible study or a small group or just serving together in the church, if somebody messes up and does something terribly wrong, a power comes in reflecting back on what it is on your own failures and how Christ forgave you. And maybe in that moment you can find in yourself that you say, you know what, I'm not going to write you off. Because God didn't write me off. And I'm going to be patient to that person because God was patient to me. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Listen, I believe that we all need patience. That we all need to grow in patience. If you have kids, you need this. If you have teenagers, you need this. If you are a kid or you are a teenager and you have parents, you need this. You need this if you work with somebody or somebody works with you. You need this if you have friends. You need this if you are married or if you plan on getting married someday. You say, oh no, we're getting married next June and he is just absolutely perfect. Really? Why don't we pick this back up and talk about it next July, all right? See if you still think he's perfect. We need this in the church if we are going to be the kind of people that God calls us to be. If we're going to be a community of people who cares for each other and wants to engage the world around us. Friends, I'm so thankful that God is at work around us and in us and through us. 
That he is helping us to push out the old self with its darkness and renew us day by day with the essential characteristics of his goodness. And as we walk in the spirit, one of the things that we're going to see evident in our lives is that we're going to be a people of patience. A people with a long fuse. A people who forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. Let's pray.